This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Remember, always be closing. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. This episode features an interview with Corinne Sklar, CMO of Blue Wolf. In her 13 years with Blue Wolf, Corinne has helped grow the company's revenue from $3 million to over a billion. In part one of our interview with Corinne, she talks about how a relentless focus on design helped spur that growth. She also talks about how CMOs can increase their tenure and have a greater impact within their organizations, and how to create a culture that encourages innovation and experimentation. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at The Mission, to my right, my good friend, Lauren Vaccarello, what's going on? Not much. We have another amazing day in Palo Alto. Yeah, in studio again with a new guest. Corinne, how's it going? It's great. It's nice uh, in San Francisco and it's nice in Palo Alto. Yeah, can't, can't ask for more. Can't complain. Meanwhile, our friends in Chicago are sitting there like, it's going to be minus five tomorrow. Polar vortex. <laughs> Polar vortex. Polar, is, that, is that what it's called? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Polar vortex. My my family is in New York, and every time we have this conversation and my mother complains about how cold it is, my response is, look, mom, winter's a choice. I chose to get away from this years ago. She's like, winter is not a choice. I'm like, winter is a choice. Let's not make an ad to have more people move to the West Coast. Good point. <laughs> uh, winter is not a choice. Stay where it's cold. Stay we where need to, you are. We need to keep rent and mortgages bearable. Yes. Speaking of choices, you made the choice to go to Mills College early on in your career. Tell us how you got into marketing. Well, I am very, very proud of my alma mater of Mills College. Many folks uh, might not know, but it is a women's college. Uh, it is part of the sister schools of Wellesley and Oberlin. And one of my mentors actually went to Mills. I'd never heard of it and got my way up to the Oakland area. And it's very well known for their experimental art program, very famous Folks like Dave Brubeck, John Cage taught there and went there. And so it's an incredible environment for women to learn and, and really focus on experimentation and collaboration. And so I went there and how I actually got into marketing is a probably a 40 minute podcast. However, you know, I was always very business minded. I sold when I was 10 years old, I decided to start a business in my neighborhood and started selling things door to door that I made crafts myself. And so I just, I always had a good mind for it. And then, but I was also very creative. Um, my dad had his own business. He was an entrepreneur and I think when I went to school, I wasn't, I went to art school. I studied, you know, fine art and experimental art, and I wasn't thinking that that would be the path that I took, but uh, I really saw an opportunity to blend my entrepreneurial, my leadership skills that I developed really at Mills and, and before that, and my creative 
background and uh it just so happened that you know marketing was was that entry point and i had a good mentor there and obviously marketing was the perfect entry point for you since you joined blue wolf back in a little company called blue wolf back in 2006 as vp of marketing and went from three million dollars to a little bit over a billion dollars and now on into your current career it's quite a journey being able to do that and we were so excited to do this interview because just so few marketers get to have that level of control and clearly you were doing the right stuff as the lead marketer there and as cmo what was this genesis like for you coming into a company so early and figuring out like as as a services company as as a company that was poised for growth how did you step into that role and kind of take your first steps and and see the writing on the wall that hey this could be something way bigger it's a, an incredible story the story of salesforce really and you know the beginning of cloud and as they you know named it was saas at the time I was very fortunate, and I, I do believe sometimes it's fortuitous, mm-hmm. uh, luck as well as timing, but I was very aggressive in my career early on. I always believed that I had an opinion, and I thought about what I would say in meetings, and I never thought that my age or my gender or any of those things, I had an idea and I had an opinion, and I would raise it in, in meetings throughout all my career. And I happened to meet Eric Barrage, who is the uh, co-founder of Blue Wolf and CEO of Blue Wolf. And he worked with Mark Benioff at Oracle and really just, you know, very same ethos and cultures and values. And, you know, obviously Blue Wolf was the first Salesforce partner. And, you know, I met Eric and, you know, I don't know if anybody knows him, but he's an incredible leader and really just saw something in me and, you know, brought me on very early on in that leadership role and gave me the reins. You know, he, I think it's very important when you look at leadership teams, understanding the role of the CEO and their values in regards to sales and marketing. And very quickly, Eric and I gelled. We were, you know, pee in a pot and, you know, his leadership in sales and his understanding the role of marketing to drive growth. And I think it doesn't matter if you're a 3 million, 1 million, 50 million, 100 million, understanding and having leadership that's focused on growth and the understanding the role of marketing has been instrumental and having his support. And I think that's a very big part of my success is the accountability and the CEO level support in allowing me to drive a vision and giving it time. You know, I think a lot of times it can be short-sighted. You you hire a CMO and what is it, two years they say CMOs? 22 months. Right? I I think I've broken all those rules. Um, And you were actually in the, I think, fifth percentile in terms of marketing <laughs> leadership. Good time. or bad, but both. Yes. yes. <laughs> and you know, obviously, being in the valley, and you know, I've been very close to the Martech community for a very long time. But I, I think, from going through that path, I think the most important thing I could say is the sponsorship at the executive level to invest in marketing and the role it plays in B2B. Totally. And Mark Benioff gets that. 
Absolutely. He was an early vision. He is a marketer, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Eric got that. And so I think giving me the reins, the budget and the support has been critical for that growth. And the one of the things that we touched upon, and I love your your story, is the average tenure of a, a CMO or a head of marketing in tech is used to be 18 months. Now it's 22. You, But you've done this amazing job of growing a company, being the CMO for 12, 13 years through acquisition have been incredibly successful. What advice do you have for sort of the marketing leaders who are listening, who are going, I I want to make it to 22 months, but really I want to have a big impact? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's interesting, a little, you know, the CMO role, I mean, we could probably spend a lot of time about what is that role going to look like in the future. Absolutely. You know, in my 13 years there and being part of a, a startup, let's say, in the early days, we did everything. Mm-hmm. So I ran alliances for a long time. I sell. I have accounts that I support. I started a business unit inside of Blue Wolf. And it was really about our leadership team. So just to be even more specific, our leadership team has all been there from the beginning. Not one person has left. That's crazy. That's so, incredible. And it's pretty well known in the Salesforce ecosystem about the Blue Wolf team because we have been driving this business and this vision for, for a very long time. And so, you know, I think the advice is, if is I think it's okay to change roles to learn. I think if you're in a company where you're allowed and you have the partnership and leadership to continually experiment, test, you know, put your fingers in other things and grow and your business is growing, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to grow with an organization. But, you know, I don't think moving around is bad, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, my advice is stay where you feel supported and you have a leadership team that is aligned, which is very hard to find. It, it absolutely is. And I feel like that is the difference between success and failure in so many organizations where it's having that trust and psychological safety with within a leadership team. Are there things that people should look for within a leadership team to say, this is going to be high functioning, high performing? And what do you, what advice do you have for starting to to build that? Yeah. What does support feel like, right? Like what, what yeah. is this? What is love? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, everything we talk about in business, I think we all, we all innately understand that it's a people business. Mm-hmm. You know, half the time I go in and we talk to customers about technology, but technology is only a tool to support humans and people mm-hmm. run the business. And so I think it's an important topic that we need to continue to discuss. But for marketers, you know, what does leadership look like? I think kind of what I was saying earlier, an executive, a CEO who is a marketer at his or her core, who understands sales. You know, I think that's difficult in tech a lot of the times because you've got maybe sometimes more engineering focused. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the engineering teams are really focusing on go to market and understanding the importance of go to market. And so, you know, I think what does leadership look like? It's about really autonomy, yeah. mm-hmm. trust of the process, investment, coaching. And accessibility, I think one of the things that I spend a lot of my time doing, which I get a lot of support, is I go see customers quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that gives me a much different perspective and than just being a back office marketer. Yep. 
or a shared service or a support marketer. I'm at the front of the business and I'm given that opportunity by our leadership team because they value the role of the customer and the role of marketing. Yeah, we talk about all the time that marketers need to get out of the office and you need to sit with sales or sit as close to the customer, literally sit with customers um, and really both, right? You need to sit with sales as they talk to customers and also talk to the customers yourself without sales. And you know, you said before that every marketer could learn from spending some time in services, which is not necessarily something, especially, you know, here in the Valley, you know, which is one thing where people are so product driven in, we have listeners from all over the world. So um, it's not always that way in, in other markets or other cultures. But I think it's a really interesting insight that services allows you to be a certain type of marketer. And I think, you know, to take this step further, this services mentality is what we're starting to see that B2B and these technologies that is the differentiator. So how have you kind of like, seen that change over the years. That's uh, I'm so glad you brought that up and that you're recognizing that trend. I think we were pioneers at Blue Wolf around investing in services marketing. For sure. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And, you know, that was really to Eric and, you know, our leadership team focus around making that investment. Services is all about thought leadership and solutions because there is no product. My product are people that go up and down elevators every day. They're human beings. And so it's complex. The features are very different. My buyers are every buyer. Mm -hmm. When you're selling services in this space, you're selling to every individual. So it's complicated, complex sales, it's complex marketing. And when it's, it's like every industry, it's every size company. It. Like right. that, it's it's not just. I mean, you like you truly have a wide open. I mean, every day you walk in and it's a blank whiteboard, right? Yeah. It's like we right. we got to go, you know, attack everything, which is confusing, right? And it's and it's difficult to plan for. It, it is, and everybody wants something for their target and industry, and mm-hmm. it's all about the personalization. So to take that note, ITSMA, which is a organization, a, a services marketing organization, who's gotten really famous for account-based marketing. They actually coined that term was a services marketing organization because at its core, that's what services have always been really focused on. And so, you know, I do think it's complex. You know, I think some of the best learning you can get is by going into a services organization, not just from a delivery perspective, because that's how you really learn about what customers, what's really going on. Mm -hmm. I always talk about the role of services in in tech because any enterprise large complex solution involves people Mm -hmm. and involves change and executive alignment, not just the technology. This is about changing people's lives, not just implementing tools. And so when a consultant walks in that room and when you're marketing that, we're the, we're the ones that have to make all the dreams that the technology providers have promised to their customers come true the minute we walk there. We're the ones who actually have to make it happen. And so you learn a lot around the deeper desires of customers' fear mm-hmm. you know, and what's really driving why they're buying these tools and what's driving them in their lives. And so I think it's a dip, deeper connection that you can get to customers and understanding drivers for marketing as well. Well, I think that the thought leadership stuff is such an interesting angle. And, you know, we at the mission do a lot of storytelling. And one of the things that we, when we talk to our customers about is like, 
imagine if you're telling the story, but you can't talk about the features. You can't talk about the product. Like, don't talk about the product. How does it make people feel? What is the end result? What are the superpowers that they get? What is the thing that they go home and tell their spouse? Like, man, remember that huge problem that I used to have? I don't have it anymore. Like, I have more time to spend with my kids or whatever it is. If you take, if like, I think it would be a great exercise for marketers that spend a little bit too much with their time talking about features and benefits and say like, hey, let's try to tell a story today where we do not discuss any of that stuff. And it's just, we're trying to f figure out what our customer looks like in five years after using our solution. Yeah, I really love that. So with some of this services marketing, I think the way that, from my perspective, the way that Blue Wolf has been so successful over the years is with creativity. And you're really passionate about design, you're passionate about creativity and about B2B marketing. Why do you think that design is so important in B2B marketing? Well, number one, I'm incredibly honored to work for such an iconic brand as IBM. And if anybody knows about graphic design, they know about Paul Rand. Yep. And Paul mm -hmm. Rand said, everything is design, everything. Yep. And more than many companies out there, IBM has instilled and has developed a culture around what design means and not just looking at design from a graphic visual design, but design thinking mm -hmm. and the entire process. And so for me, it's a really a dream come true to be able to take the values that I have in design and 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 continue to you know, teach marketers and to work with IT and to work with salespeople around what does that actually mean? And so, you know, for me in B2B marketing, frankly, it's been really easy to do well in the environment where there's just such poor understanding of design. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even putting some effort in some cases of not doing me too marketing by really understanding what we're trying to do is be noticed mm -hmm. and yep. stand out yep. and that you can't do that by looking at somebody else's marketing and going, we need to do that. And it, it takes this element of fear away because if you are not willing to stand out, it's usually because you're afraid of doing something wrong this is what works and this is what's safe. But as marketers, it gives us the opportunity to really be differentiated. I think that is one of the reasons why I'm such a supporter of people from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know, I went to art, a very experimental art school, which taught me the importance of critique. Yep. And I can be pretty brutal around my feedback. But it's in, if you went to art school, you understand the process of yep. critique. Mm -hmm. And so my my passion for doing good marketing, my passion for constantly carving and making it better and everybody providing that feedback is so critical. But I, I do believe that we have, if, if marketers want to do mar good marketing in B2B, they really have to look at what does good design mean for their business? Absolutely. And it's, um, I had a sort of a, a running joke and story. So I had used to work at Salesforce years ago. And one of the things that made early marketers there great was no one was ever going to say your work was perfect. And you would go in and you'd work on a campaign, you'd work on whatever it was, whether it's ads, a full campaign, an event, and you would walk in the room and you know that if you were lucky to get 
10% of what you wanted to come and see the light of day. And if you were the kind of person that went in and said, everything is perfect, I can't handle this level of critique, you're never going to last. But the 10% that makes the light of day and then the 90% that is now so much better than your initial idea because it's this open space for critique and for feedback that lets you do truly great inspirational work. And I I have this deep-seated fear of a lot of newer marketers coming out who can't handle that amount of feedback or critique because they just have not had the experience and the lifelong training of hearing and hearing feedback, hearing critique, and we're going to let them put out work when we know it could be better, but because you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's looking in your own organization and saying, what kind of culture do you want to have? And I, I think it's looking at the people around you and the mentorship that's mm-hmm. happening and the mix of your team. Yes. You know, and I'm a big believer in you've got to help a lot of early marketers understand how to have a voice. Yes. And push them. That is what leaders are there to do. And there's you know, I've I've had the opportunity to to work and grow many marketers and it's probably one of my favorite parts of the job, but you have to help them understand because they are not used to coming into an environment, especially where environments are corporate and mm-hmm. it's fear-based. Yes. Totally. And you have to make it safe for them and push them to have a voice sometimes. Absolutely. And it's this idea of psychological safety of it doesn't matter what level you're at, have a voice, have a perspective. You're not going to be right all the time. And sometimes you're going to do work that people will critique, give you feedback on, but it's not because anyone's picking on you. It's because we believe in you and we want you to be better and we see the potential. One of the things I always told people on my team was uh, if I ask you a lot of questions and I have a lot of feedback, you need to take this as a good sign because I'm excited and I'm really engaged in what you did. And if I come and I have a lot to say about what you did, you need to interpret this as a good thing. If you show me work and I have zero feedback and nothing to say, it's probably because I have no idea where to start. It's it's really just that bad. Right. You know, I think it's something so interesting about the idea of the artist because the artist creates something that is in their mind that they think the world needs to see, which is the best marketers, right? Like the best marketers are like, I see something that like needs to exist. I see the white space and I'm going to fill it with this thing. And I think a lot of times what we do is we just look at everybody else. I'm like, what's everybody else doing? IBM Blue Wolf did this great thing about the state of Salesforce report, right? This like great piece of content. Um, and I think a lot of people see stuff like that and they're like, okay, well, now we need to do a state of whatever. Um, many people have. Yeah, well, yeah and, and, and many people have. You know, and, you know, uh, we had um, Matt Trafiro in here who did State of the Edge, which was a great piece of content that they did. So it's not to say that, like, the state of blank is is it's obviously a great idea. So to 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 rip it off on onto your own, not that he did, but to rip it off onto your own sector is, is uh, the best artists uh, steal, as we talked right. about. But the idea, though, that the best marketers have this sort of thing, and I think what a lot of people get beat down by is this like death by committee approach where mm-hmm. 
if you were to take, uh, you know, whoever person X, artist Banksy or whoever's, you know, popular right now and show their work to a committee of 50 people and let them just like tear it all apart. Number one, you're going to destroy the artist's soul because yeah. they're like, this is not, you just <laughs> killed my insides. And we do this with like our writer's rooms and stuff that we do where it's like, you know, there's a certain amount of, of Google comments where you're like, okay, people, I get it. Right. But at the same time, like that does toughen you up a little bit and you need to give them the flexibility to come back and be like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm rejecting that comment. I don't think that that's, that's necessary. And that's part of the thing that the best marketers, if you give them the ability to say like, you know what, I get your feedback. I disagree. I think that we should do it this way. And ultimately marketing like art is about being remarkable and artists know that they want their art to be talked about to be shared and the worst marketers make things that are bland and the way that things have always been done and differentiated i think i loved your your first point around you know artists have to see something and i would say that's very true for myself you know it's it's allowing your mind to really think broad mm -hmm. and and dream about what is possible and not being afraid. And, you know, I definitely think that's a critical part of, of getting marketers to think just broad. Yes. And stop think being different. Think different, right? I do think the other point you made around the state of Salesforce. So when we came up with that idea, you know, Salesforce wasn't very happy about it. Oh, that's no kidding. Yeah. So we launched it. And you know now we have a lot of supporters in Salesforce, including Mark. But when we first did it, we were like, why don't we be a third-party voice around mm -hmm. what customers actually, you know, what, what's their feedback and how are the best companies really using Salesforce? Totally. And so we went to our customers and we did our own content. Yeah. And uh, you know, I remember the CMO at the time called me when we launched it with the press. He's like, Corinne, what are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, fast forward, we are very collaborative. Salesforce has no input in the report. I mean, they get an early copy, but they do not make edits to the report. It is a IBM Blue Wolf report, and we're really proud of it. And the team, it's produced in-house by the the Blue Wolf IBM team. So we're really proud of it. Oh, no kidding. It. It's, yeah. it's all wow. produced in-house. That's really for cool. For seven years now. And wow. that has to feel so good for the people that are working on it and producing something that is truly great work, innovative, and something that is- Design-led. Design-led. And genuine. Yes. Yes, exactly. Huh. Thank you. That does it for part one of our interview with Corinne Sklar. Stay tuned to Marketing Trends for the rest of the interview. Part two will be released shortly. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. 
you've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.